Back to throw Fitzpatrick. Throwing high into the air. Got it. Parker touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your Miami Dolphins each and every day. How is it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we are back into the Know the Enemy series as we are taking a look at the Dolphins' Week 5 opponent, a team that had a Lombardi trophy in its sights last year, the San Francisco 49ers as we'll take a look at how they get back to the big game this year, Kyle Shanahan's greatest strengths, the expectations for Jimmy Garoppolo and the team, who was the biggest unsung star on that team, all of that and more as we detail this Week 5 matchup with Brian Peacock on this Tuesday, July the 14th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And this is installment number six of the Know the Enemy series, about halfway home as we're discussing last year's NFC champions, the San Francisco 49ers. And one of my favorite stories last year in football, because I was always such a big fan, a big supporter, a big believer of Kyle Shanahan, even before that incredible 2016 season where he and Matt Ryan in Atlanta put together pure magic that year. And I think the thing I love most about Shanahan is that he knows exactly who he is. And if he's going down, he's going to go down his way. And that's going down swinging. He is aggressive, an aggressive play caller. Also has the continuation of the greatest running scheme in the history of football for my money from his father, Mike Shanahan, filtered through coaches like Gary Kubiak and so many others after him and before Kyle. And now really perfected by Shanahan in the Bay Area with that 49ers running game he has. And I once upon a time wrote a piece on my own independently owned website thirdand10.com it is no more but I used to grade quarterbacks and talk about the play caller quarterback relationship and break down some film and the general idea was to grade every single drop back of every single quarterback. And I started that after the 2016 season and talked about how I thought Shanahan would find a way to win in San Francisco as he was paired at the time with Brian Hoyer, going back to some of the concepts and some of the designs of his plays and his offense with the Browns. I think it was in 2014 with Brian Hoyer and now off the heels of a Super Bowl appearance last year, the Niners give Kyle Shanahan his big extension and they have to feel really good about about where they are at the coaching position for now and heading into the future. But I think the start he had in San Francisco those first two years really make the story and his path even more, I guess, enchanting to follow along with because the Niners had a couple of tough years there in the win-loss column in his first two years, but there were circumstances around those win-loss totals that I thought didn't tell the whole story about the team and the program that he and John Lynch were building there. And so to see them rip off 13 wins last year, two more victories in the postseason in rather convincing fashion, and come within one quarter of lifting a Lombardi trophy. I'm just a big fan of all the easy plays and easy yards that Shanahan helps create both in the running game and the passing game on top of the fact that they are littered with star players across that roster, one of the more entertaining and intriguing teams in the entire National Football League. So with that, let's go ahead and dive into this next edition of the Know the Enemy series, the Week 5 opponent. It's October 11th at Levi's Stadium in Santa Clara, California, up against the San Francisco 49ers. It's a 4.05 Eastern kickoff. Let's go ahead and welcome in my guest, Brian Peacock. 
And riding shotgun on today's Drive Time podcast, he is the host of Locked On NFL, co-host, and Locked On 49ers. You can find him on Twitter at BD Peacock, the silky smooth voice himself, Brian Peacock. Brian, welcome in, my friend. Travis, how are you, man? It's great to be here with you. I was going to say, I got to get caught up on on what you're doing now because I know you've kind of expanded your scope of work within the Locked On Network, and I wanted to ask you, how's that going now that you're joining uh, Matt Williamson there as the co-host of Locked On NFL, and just how is Locked On life in general? How's it going in that world? Locked On life has been great, man, and I think we've been pretty lucky covering the NFL that things, cross your fingers, <laughs> knock on wood, whatever you'd like to do. Uh, that it stays that way, and we we stay on the path here, and, and training camp is able to get going, and the season's able to start on time because that'll be huge for what we do covering this sport, and, and I think it's been a lot more difficult for some folks that cover some other sports. So it's been great. It's been fun covering the 49ers all offseason long. There's been plenty to talk about there. Of course, with the NFL, it's been much of the same, and it's been fun co-hosting with former NFL scout Matt Williamson. And I can't divulge everything, but keep a lookout. There's something special coming with uh, Matt Williamson and I with our podcast on Locked On NFL. So uh, that news to come. Uh, expert of teasing. We both learned that with Locked On, I think, because that was one of the things I was always so proud of myself for teasing certain events and certain aspects. Yeah, man, it's it's fun to watch you guys continue to grow. And, and uh, you know, I was always such a big supporter and big believer in what we were doing when I was with Locked On, uh, the Locked On Podcast Network. And one of my favorite things we ever did when I was there, and, and you guys did it again this year, was the draft show. I mean, that is yeah. the, the comprehensive coverage you get from Locked On Sports. Is, it's so good and so in-depth, and, and you get good local experts every single day talking about your team. So definitely check it out. Locked On Dolphins, Kyle Krabs. You guys all know who he is. He does a great job taking over for me on the Locked On Dolphins podcast there. But let's go ahead now and get into the brass tacks of why we have you on here, Brian. Talk about some 2020 San Francisco 49ers. And I want to start with a topic that maybe is a little bit sensitive, but it always fascinates me. The Super Bowl hangover, right? I'm sure you've heard about it and talked about it countless times. And I know media are going to ask coach about it. Are the Niners and Shanahan and those guys, are they acknowledging it, like addressing it? And what do you think the potential pitfalls are of coming so close to that ultimate prize, but then coming up just short of getting the championship trophy? Yeah, I think there's a few things. One, it's just hard to get to the Super Bowl. So just getting back is difficult anyway. So I think part of it is that, okay, you got to the Super Bowl, people expect you to get right back. You look year after year, things fluctuate so much. One, I mean, 12 months a calendar year in the NFL is an eternity. So uh, it's just hard to get there, period, and, and be as good as you were the year before. And some things have to go right to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, the other thing is, I think maybe the way this offseason has gone with COVID and, and, and everything else in the world, I think maybe it's made for a different environment for a team than normal in a post-Super Bowl loss offseason. And the other thing with the 49ers, and, and I can't remember it being this way in the past, with past 49ers teams or, or really any teams, they've been so amped up to get right back. I wonder if that might be the hangover that you are too ready to go the day after the Super Bowl. You can't keep up that intensity all the way through the season into next February. You almost have to let it go. You have to, you have to, uh, you just have to reset everything in the organization, come back fresh and then hit it hard again. I almost wonder if teams grind too much for those off months before the season starts after a Super Bowl and if that could wear on a team. So uh, I'm thinking maybe the psychological aspect of it, that might be where a Super Bowl hangover comes in is you can't win the Super Bowl 
the next year, starting the day after the Super Bowl, you have to wait till the season starts to get going. And maybe that uh, maybe you run your your engine a little bit dry over the course of the offseason, thinking about it and trying to get back to work and running it back too quickly. Yeah, see, that's that's exactly what I'm talking about, how it's such a fascinating ideology that maybe maybe there is something to kind of taking some time away and resetting. I know for content creators like yourself and, and myself, it's always helpful to get away for like a week, right? In the middle of summertime, step away and then you come back refreshed and you feel better than ever. And maybe that maybe the fact that the team was away from the facility, like you mentioned, is a built-in advantage in that way. We can only find out on Sundays coming up here in September and beyond in the fall. And I would like I like to liken it to like a video game analogy. When you're playing a game where you get to the final level Maybe you, you don't make it. You don't beat the ultimate boss. The next game you restart, you always die right away, right? Because you're so antsy to get back <laughs> and you just can't quite like get yourself composed and make a good effort at it. So bad analogies aside, one of my favorite things about this team, and I talked about it in the open, is the way that Kyle Shanahan creates opportunities on offense for guys to have easy decisions and to make plays that way. And I'm a big Jimmy Garoppolo fan, have been since his time at Eastern Illinois and that week he had at the Senior Bowl that year. What do you think he has to do this year to progress upon what he was last season, his first real full healthy season with uh, San Francisco? And what would it look like for him to really validate his position as the long-term answer for Niners fans to say, okay, we definitely have our guy. I'm with you too. Uh, in 2014, I love Jimmy Garoppolo coming into the draft and starting with that senior bowl week. And, and the more I watched his tape and it was a small school guy, but man, he was a great prospect. And, and I, I think we nailed that one. He, he was somebody I really liked coming out. So I, I've been a fan of Jimmy Garoppolo for a long time. Was surprised with the trade to the 49ers. And you saw right away when he jumped in with the 49ers in 2017, he has no problems reading defenses and going through his reads and, and making progressions. The 49ers were a, a team that couldn't win a single game. And Jimmy Garoppolo rolls in and wins five games in a row in a dumbed down system. So uh, I think it's mostly about that system and, and getting a full season worth of reps in the off season and the regular season, which he's never had with the 49ers in 2017. He came in after Halloween and, and then jumped in, starting with a pared down system for the 49ers 2018. He had the full off season with Kyle Shanahan. Then he tears his ACL. So then he's rehabbing an ACL before last year starts the, the full slate of games, 16 games for the first time in his career, takes the team to the Super Bowl. And you thought, okay, cool. Finally, Jimmy Garoppolo gets a full season as a starter. And he's going to have a full off season coming into another year. And we'll see another bump in his, uh, in his ability. And I think we still will see that, but then now we've seen another little hiccup here where they haven't been able to go through the off season program as normal. They've gotten a lot more classroom work, a lot less on field work. So reps is really the one thing that he's needed throughout his career. He hasn't been able to get those game reps and um, he's had some off season reps, but we'll, we'll see if he's able to take that next step. I still think there is a ceiling for Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think if he plateaus or gets worse, then there's some difficult decisions to make for, 49ers next offseason because his contract is structured in a way that they can get out of it. I don't foresee that happening. I don't think they're going to want to get out of that contract. I think they're going to probably want to add years to that contract this time next year. And I think we will see a next level of Jimmy Garoppolo. And really for the 49ers, that's probably the number one key because a rising tide lifts all boats, right? Is that the saying? Something like that. <laughs> and I think Jimmy Garoppolo getting a little bit better makes the entire team a lot better. Now, Brian, I am guilty as anybody of kind of being sensationalistic at times. I always talk about how things fascinate me, how I'm intrigued by these certain things. 
and I already used it up once in this podcast, but I'm going to use it again. The, the thing you mentioned there about what Jimmy G brings to the offense, it really does fascinate me because I think that one thing we look at with quarterback play is right now there are so many guys that offer these tangible traits, right? Like Lamar Jackson's athletic ability is tangible. It pops off the tape right when you watch him every single time. Kyler Murray, same, same train of thought there. Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, all these guys with these elite physical tools. And that's not to say Jimmy G doesn't have physical tools. He is more of a traditional pocket passer and he's very, very good in that sense. But I think that what he does with intangibles in terms of executing Shanahan's offense is just, he, he's the right guy for that job. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think it meshes well with what Kyle Shanahan likes to do. He's really good at firing the ball over the middle of the field, short and intermediate stuff. And Shanahan loves dialing up those type of things. And Shanahan loves to, to have receivers that can run after the catch. Um, I would say that they could grow beyond that, though. And that's where there could be a ton of growth in this offense is bigger plays, getting the ball down the field, more air yards. I think. Better pass blocking from the offensive line, you know, as they add more playmakers, more players that are a little bit better getting down the field and they can start to do some more of that type of thing. And and that would help just open things up over the middle, which is where they want to work. They want to run the ball. They want to feed George Kittle a lot, but teams are going to stack the box. Teams are going to be putting their safeties down inside and, and putting extra eyes on George Kittle and saying, okay, let's see if you can beat us outside. And so the 49ers are going to have to prove that they can do that a little bit to open things back up inside to do what they want to do in the run game and throw the ball over the middle and, and hit George Kittle. But Jimmy Garoppolo, I will say he does have one elite trait, and it is his release. He has one of the quickest releases I've ever seen, and he's had that all the way back to college. And I think that really helps him get the ball out quickly. He gets the ball out as quick as just about anybody in the NFL. I think it was Garoppolo and Drew Brees were one, two. They were kind of going back and forth all season long and Tom Brady is really good at getting the ball out very quickly too. And um, that's, that's really perfect for what Kyle Shanahan likes to do. Get the ball out early, let the playmakers make plays. Yeah. That, that's exactly what I was going to reply with is that that's why I think he makes such a good fit there with Shanahan because he makes quick decisions and gets the ball out quickly. And that's the design of the Shanahan offense. And you talk about trying to get the vertical game involved. Of course, I'm sure Niners fans will see that deep shot in the Super Bowl in their nightmares for years to come. But the games before that in the playoffs, they were carving teams up. I remember watching the, the Vikings game with a buddy of mine. My best friend's a big-time Vikings fan. And the way they were just pre, pre-snap shifting and motioning and creating gaps and just the slightest movement of linebackers to create passing lanes, it's so fun to watch them be surgeon-like in that, in that way in their offense. So that passing game is based upon a quality running game that just seems like it's transportable across any personnel you want to put out there. And that's where I go to here, Brian, is the backfield for the Niners. Looks like Raheem Mostert should be the starter. You still have uh, Tevin Coleman in, in the fold. Is this running game just basically going to be successful no matter who's back there? And what does that backfield look like this year without Matt Breida and coming back with Juszczyk, Mostert, and Tevin Coleman? Yeah, I think... The running game is going to be fine no matter who's back there. But the strange thing is, is Kyle Shanahan has still put a lot of resources into the running back position. You would think that would be where they could go bare bones and, and maybe save some money, but they spent the second most, including fullback Kyle Juszczyk, who makes twice as much as the next fullback in the league, and he is the best fullback in the league. So, Hands you know, he's earned that money. But they spent the second most money on their running back group of any team in the league and they don't have any household names at running back, but they have a lot of really good ones. And I think they're going to be just fine there. No matter who's there, even if Raheem Mostert wants to hold out or or wants to get traded, they would be fine. But I will say Raheem Mostert is 
the best running back on that roster. And I think he proved that last year, 5.6 yards per carry. And he does have a legitimate gripe because he's underpaid. If he's going to get 200 carries in Kyle Shanahan's offense this year, he's going to go nuts. So maybe he should wait to cash in next year after he gets all those carries. But Raheem Mostert is pretty amazing to watch him outrun angles for defenders in the NFL. And Matt Breida, who just got traded, obviously, to the Miami Dolphins, 4-3 guy. Tevin Coleman runs a 4-3. Jarek McKinnon is a 4-4 flat guy. When you see Raheem Mostert make other players that run 4-3s look slow because of his <laughs> burst, that's how you know he has a, a special ability there. So Raheem Mostert's burst is, is something that um, is unique, and he's a former track guy. And it's really rare that you see someone break out this late in their career after being, you know, a special teams demon his entire career. So he's being paid like a special teamer. He probably does deserve a bump in salary, but he still has two years left on his deal. I don't know how that's going to work out, but um, man, Raheem Mostert, if he does get 200 carries or more this year, look out. You rattle off those speeds of those running backs. It's no mystery what Kyle Shanahan wants for that outside and stretch zone scheme that he has there. That Again, I just, I'm in, I'm, I watch it and marvel at how consistent and how good it is. And that's where we go ahead and pivot here is the offensive line. The big change up front this year is going to be going from Joe Staley to Trent Williams. Just this is what I think the blue blood organizations do. They find a way to restock the cupboards and we'll get back into that exact same topic on the defensive line here in just one second. But talk about this offensive line and how they execute that scheme and what that swap out of Williams and Staley does for this Niners offensive line this year. It's a really good group up front. They have been a better run blocking unit than a pass blocking unit last year. I think it would surprise people to see how mediocre they were actually as pass blockers in 2019, but one of the best run blocking units in the NFL. And you know, that's, it takes 11 guys to run Kyle Shanahan's scheme and they work so hard on, and you see the fruits of that, you know, three years in now, Kyle Shanahan's run game is just really dialed up last year and, and maybe could even uh, continue to, to improve, which is scary when, when uh, you add someone like Trent Williams, who, and it, it's hard, it's blasphemous to say that you could upgrade from Joe Staley, yeah. <laughs> but I think at this point, just having a younger player that's as talented as Trent Williams, I think the 49ers are upgrading at left tackle after seeing, and Joe Staley's been banged up over the last few years, and, and last year, I think we saw it, he missed some games, and when he came back, he had a really rough game against Jadavian Clowney. He he wasn't playing like the old Joe Staley that people remember, even though he was playing some pretty good ball, but Trent Williams, if he's fresh, I don't know if he'll be rusty, but he could absolutely be an upgrade at left tackle. So they could actually be even better up front than they were last year. Uh, Mike McGlinchey was hurt a little bit last year as well. He's coming into his third year. He's gotten better every season. Weston Richburg, if he gets healthy, the 49ers run game is incumbent on having a nice athletic center, which Weston Richburg fits perfectly. It's why the 49ers gave him a lot of money, but he's had a ton of injury problems. If he can be healthy, then, uh, look out, this could be a really good unit up front for the 49ers. And the X factor there, a guy that could start maybe at any position up front, he might battle for the starting right guard position, but uh, he filled in really nicely for Joe Staley when he was out in Daniel Brunskill, who was an AAF player, yes. a former tight end. And um, <laughs> yeah, he might end up being a future starter at tackle at some point in the NFL, whether it's with the 49ers or somebody else. So they do have a good unit up front and could potentially be better than they were last year. 
We have Brian Peacock here, Locked On NFL Podcast and Locked On 49ers Podcast, all of that within the Locked On Podcast Network umbrella. We're talking about the 2020 San Francisco 49ers. And on the Monday show here on Drive Time, I talked about the ESPN Insider uh, NFL executives and scouts and coaches and players rankings. They've been rolling out the last couple of weeks. And you mentioned Trent Williams as a possible upgrade for Joe Staley. I found his ranking on that list to be very interesting because... Every one of these lists had so much volatility where like Ronnie Stanley, for instance, I think was graded number one by somebody and number 11 by another another scout or executive. And that volatility was so interesting to me. But Trent Williams, I think, was as high as two and as low as six. So the fact that he still has that level of respect after missing an entire year just tells you how good of a player he has been throughout the course of his career. Now, you talked about one of the Niners' best players earlier in passing as we kind of pivot here to the skill players at the receiver and tight end position. Now, for my money, George Kittle is the best in the business. I think he was number one in those ESPN rankings. How does this receiver group kind of take over, or I guess I should say replace the production they're going to lose with Emmanuel Sanders? And where's Debo Samuel at heading into the season with a foot injury he just suffered? George Kittle coming back into the you know fold as fully healthy after missing some time last year. Talk about these skill players, Brian. Emmanuel Sanders was the one question I had as far as offseason moves with the 49ers. They... They have basically the same group returning. They're adding a first-round pick in Brandon Ayuk to that group now to try to replace Emmanuel Sanders. Hard for rookie wide receivers to make their way in the NFL. I mean, it's just difficult. This offseason is going to be even more difficult, I think, for rookie wide receivers and someone who hasn't even played a lot of big-time defense uh, Division One football like Brandon Ayuk, who was a junior college transfer and had really one year of production at Arizona State. So the Emmanuel Sanders loss is big because they felt they needed to trade for a veteran last year, and they're bringing back pretty much the same group but adding a rookie. So how quickly Brandon Ayuk can get up to speed, and he might be a package player early in the season, and then maybe around October we'll see him uh, maybe get a full complement of starts potentially in a complement of snaps and start to play a lot better as Debo Samuel did last year, which also kind of happened to coincide with the arrival of Emmanuel Sanders. Debo Samuel had a broken foot in his workouts. He might miss the beginning of the season. That would be a real downer for the 49ers who have a lot of question marks, but a lot of upside at wide receiver with some young players like Jalen Hurd, who missed all of last year, and Dante Pettis, who was in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse. So that wide receiver group is going to be the biggest training camp competition, uh, maybe for two starting spots if Debo Samuel does miss some time to start the season. And then you, yeah, you mentioned George Kittle. I, I, I agree with the SPN list. I do disagree with some of the things on those lists that I've seen so far, but the one I do agree with is that George Kittle is the best tight end in the league. And it's not just because of his pass catching ability. He's one of the best runners after the catch, not only at tight end, but uh, as a pure receiver period in the NFL but it's his ability as a blocker, which is really special. He impacts every single snap of a game. The 49ers rushed for two yards per carry less when George Kittle didn't play last wow. season. That's how valuable he is to the 49ers offense. I had a chance to watch plenty of Niners tape this this summer because of Matt Breida and getting a look at some of the running plays there. And I can't tell you how many times, Brian, that he puts someone on the sideline and gets up clapping right in their face. And it's you just don't see guys celebrate blocks that way with the frequency with he with which he does because he's always doing it. He's always putting guys on their backside. Now, let's go ahead and flip it over to the other side of the ball. And the hits keep coming for this Niners roster that's just loaded. John Lynch has done such a good job of loading up the roster with talent for Kyle Shanahan and for uh, the defensive coordinator's name is Escape Robert Sala. 
the two guys there really getting a good job or getting a good crop of players to coach up for the Niners. And I think this defensive line is the best part of the team, maybe the most dominant unit in all of football. Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, Eric Armstead, D. Ford. And then they swap out this year to Forrest Buckner, essentially for Javon Kinlaw, talking about senior bowl stars there. Is that the expectation that Kinlaw steps into that role? And is there any reason to think this front won't destroy people again up front, just like, just like they did last season? Yeah, that was the other hard decision the 49ers had to make this offseason, letting Emmanuel Sanders walk and then trading DeForest Buckner to Indianapolis. But once they saw that uh, Indy was willing to give up that pick number 13 overall, I think the 49ers just had to do it. It was the it was the shrewd move for the 49ers front office and John Lynch. And he said he wanted to keep a strength of strength. So that's why they flipped that first round pick and used it on another defensive tackle in Javon Kinlaw. And Javon Kinlaw, I don't expect him to play as much as the Ironman DeForest Buckner did because Buckner just almost never came off the field. And, and he was a really good player for the 49ers. So it might take a couple of years for Javon Kinlaw to get to that level, but he does have the ability. He is such a monster and he can dominate other grown men and, and put them on their back and put them into the quarterback's lap at the college level. So it's going to be fun to watch his development. And uh, I'm sure he will be a big part of that 49ers defensive line under defensive line coach, Chris Kucera, because it's really just a, a play forward, play the run on the way to the quarterback attacking defensive line. Nick Bosa was such a boost, uh, one of the best young players in the NFL. And for my money, I think he's the most valuable player on the 49ers roster right now, seeing what he did as a rookie. And he's already playing at an elite level. If he could get even better, that's just scary for opposing offenses. And then you have Eric Armstead, who can play the run as a defensive end. He can bounce inside and, and rush the passer. Another former first-rounder in Solomon Thomas, give you a little bit of depth there. The sleeper on the defensive line, though, is DJ Jones, who's a really good one-technique defensive tackle for the 49ers defense and uh, when healthy, he is really good, and I think he might have a little bit more pass rush in him as well, but he can take on double teams. He's explosive. He's a big, strong dude built low to the ground, so the 49ers have no shortage of talent up front, and then, oh, yeah, you have D. Ford coming off the edge, who's uh, a highly paid third-down rusher at this point because of some knee problems. He only played about 25% of the snaps last season, and he was so impactful in those snaps. He got a minor procedure done this year. If he can play 50% of the snaps, that'll be huge because the 49ers pass rush is dynamic when both Nick Bosa and Deep Ford are on the field together. As we move on to the second level of defense and linebacker, I'm kind of going over my notes here and realizing – does anybody in in the NFL benefit more from the Senior Bowl than the 49ers? I mean, we, I mean, I know they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. That was where really he became an on the scene type of guy at the Senior Bowl that year in 2014. Debo Samuel, same story last year. Javon Kinlaw this year, and another guy that I fell in love with at Senior Bowl week was linebacker Fred Warner. Does he have a case for you, Brian, as the best off ball linebacker in all of football? And what does the rest of this group look like around him? Yeah, and Dre Greenlaw as well. So the 49ers have done a really good job of, of scouting and finding good players at the Senior Bowl. And Fred Warner was one that I loved and I found late in the process in 2018. And I thought, okay, he's your outside linebacker, your, your will linebacker. And no, they plugged him in at middle linebacker from day one, put the green dot on his helmet. He's been calling in the plays since he was a rookie. And uh, he's probably one of the lesser known, one of the most underrated players in the NFL right now. Fred Warner is so good. He's got range. He can cover. And he's a really smart player, too. So, um, yeah, he's, he's basically going to have to be one of those players that steps up in a captain's role, I think with DeForest Buckner now gone. He is so good, and he's really underrated around the league. But when you add the athleticism of Dre Greenlaw in there as well, who was a rookie fifth-round find last year, the 49ers have been so good in that fifth, sixth-round 
area in the draft. And then Quan Alexander, who they spent a bunch of money on, who's been hurt a lot in his career, but when he's on the field, uh, he's dynamic as well, brings a lot of energy and brings a lot of speed. So uh, that's the key with that 49ers linebacker group is the big guys up front, do all the heavy lifting, and then let those linebackers fly around, cover, and go hit people. Let's go ahead and move back to the final level of the defense here in the secondary. And I think this group probably features the answer to a question I'll ask you here in just a moment about the unsung star on the football team. But if you can, just kind of riff on the secondary. I'm most curious to know about what Richard Sherman meant to this defense because we know his style of play. He was the linchpin of that cover three defense in Seattle that was top-ranked defense in the NFL for so many years there up in Seattle with Pete Carroll. Did he really help kind of transition that same style of defense down to San Francisco from the rival in that cover three? And how does that kind of benefit the entire secondary? Yeah, Richard Sherman was a big get, not just because of his ability on the field, but I think having that veteran back there in the secondary, and he was even better in 2019 than he was in 2018. He was coming off that Achilles injury in 2018, and uh, he looked much better in 2019. And And whether it's that he's still that guy or it's just reputation, he can shut down one side of the field still. And and I think it is somewhat reputation. So the guys on the other side get heavily targeted as a result. Akella Witherspoon has shown at times that he's up to the challenge and then other times he has wilted. That left an opportunity for a really underrated player in Emmanuel Mosley to step in and, and start at the end of the season at right cornerback. And I think he actually has solidified that position. And a lot of folks had the 49ers drafting cornerbacks in the first round of their mock drafts. And I think the 49ers like Emmanuel Mosley a lot more than people realize. So I don't think the 49ers saw that as an immediate need. Now, next year, they've got a bunch of free agents and things to figure out. But I think the 49ers really like their starting unit of defensive backs and that uh, obviously is included in a nickel corner who I think should be considered starting players in the NFL these days. And Kwan Williams, who's one of the best nickel corners in the NFL too, who's really good against the run and, and flies around and makes plays. So the 49ers have an underrated defensive backfield, I think. And then the safeties, again, a couple of underrated players. I don't think they have a ton of ball production and, and they don't create a lot of turnovers, but Jimmy Ward's uh, someone who can drop down and cover people with his experience as a corner and has range in that deep middle of the field. And Jaquaski Tardy is a big rangy strong safety who can cover and hit people as well. So it's a really good, solid defensive backfield. And you have the star power in Richard Sherman. So you said the name there, and I want to see if it's the same one you're going to choose for your unsung player. Who is the player on this Niners roster that really makes the biggest impact, but maybe the national fan, the national casual fan doesn't know enough about this player. Who is the guy that we need to know more about on the Niners roster? I think one of them you mentioned earlier is Fred Warner. I think people who know, know, but I think nationally still people don't quite realize how good of a player he is. And he'll probably start to get in the conversation of the best pure linebackers in the NFL, not just like, Oh, look, here's a good young linebacker. No, he's one of the best linebackers in the NFL period. But, um, I'm thinking Kwan Williams is the guy that you think is yeah. <laughs> underrated around the league because he's so good in the slot and you just don't, you know, nickel corners just don't get a lot of love in the NFL, but they're starting players and they're so important and teams more and more target the slot more than anything else. So if uh, your number one receiver and your number one target, when you're going three wide is playing the slot, then you got to have a really good slot cornerback. And, and Kwan Williams has been that for the 49ers really underrated player around the league. Yeah, we're talking to a, you're talking to a host of a, a guy that works for a team that drafted a cornerback in the first round after signing Byron Jones and having Xavier Howard on the roster. So we know how important cornerback play is down here as well as anybody. My last question for you here, Brian, and I've been asking my fellow host here or my guest on the podcast, what does this team have to do to get to the playoffs? 
but I think that would be a little bit selling it short for a Niners team that won 13 games and 15 in total if you count the postseason last year. The 49ers will get back to the Super Bowl if fill in the blank. I think they just have to continue to do what they're doing. I think they have to not fall flat on their face. I think, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo can't get hurt again. I think that's the number one key. I talked earlier about how uh, a rising tide raises all ships. So Jimmy Garoppolo getting a little bit better, I think is the number one key with this team because teams have the film teams, you know, defenses are so good and they'll have some ways that they want to attack the 49ers. And if they try to take away the middle of the field and they're able to stack the box and stop the run a little bit and maybe have an extra safety there uh, in the middle of the field on George Kittle, the 49ers have to win outside. So uh, it's Jimmy Garoppolo and it's the young wide receiver group developing on the outside. I think that's the one thing that really needs to happen. And the development needs to happen fast. Someone needs to step up and be a playmaker outside of Debo Samuel at wide receiver. That's what I'm looking for because on defense, I mean, they, they, they plug their hole with the best player they possibly could in Javon Kinlaw and they're bringing everybody else back. And it's such a great unit. I have no worries about the defensive side of the ball. So uh, it's that offense. Can they continue to put up points and can they maybe even put up more points than they did last year? Because it seems like, uh, teams in this league are able to score more and more points, have more and more speed on the field. Can the 49ers keep up on offense? That'll be the number one key, I think, to me, to getting back to the Super Bowl. It's a 4:05 kickoff in week number five. The Dolphins travel to San Francisco to take on the Niners on October 11th. He is Brian Peacock. He is the host of Locked On NFL and Locked On 49ers. You can find him on Twitter at BDPeacock. Brian, thank you so much for joining us. We learned a ton about your San Francisco 49ers. Hey, anytime, Travis. Pleasure chatting with you again. Pleasure is all mine. Be well, my friend. And there he goes, Brian Peacock, Locked On 49ers, Locked On NFL podcast. Really good stuff there and a unique perspective on how the Niners will approach this season coming off a trip to the Super Bowl where they did come up just short. But again, Dolphins will see them in week number five. As for today's podcast, that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. Go ahead and leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Follow me on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. Follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank and the Audible podcast. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.